As we journey through life, something similar seems to happen to all of us. Somewhere along the way, we start to pick stuff up. Sometimes it starts in childhood where we feel like a second fiddle or the third wheel. In our teen years, we might experience rejection. We didn't make the team or we didn't get the grade. Then we drag that weight into adulthood and it affects us on a job, in our relationships, and it weighs us down in everything that we do. As a result, we just don't enjoy the journey of life like we should. Instead of letting the stuff go, we've gotten used to the weight. We continue to try to manage it on our own. But Jesus paid a price so that all of my failures, all of my mess-ups would be nailed to His cross. And He now offers to us a life of true and complete freedom. Amen, amen. Well, I brought my... Amen. I brought my suitcase with me. I brought my baggage, and I'm going to keep bringing it to church because that's a good place for it. And I know that most of you have brought some of your baggage with you. How many of you brought? No, don't even don't even begin to answer that question. Some of you don't even know you have some, and that's the scary part. And so we're talking about freedom. We're talking about what does that mean? What does that look like? What what, what are what? I, I think this. I think that when it comes to this particular subject, there's 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 a lot of different directions that we could certainly go. I, I also want to just give you a little plug and commercial. I know that life is busy. I know that stuff happens. I know there's a lot of stuff that can go on. A lot of places that you could be, and we're always glad that you're here. Next week we're going to be talking about something that I think probably it's the it's the key piece of this entire series and. And if you're not able to be here next week, uh, for sure, in fact, really all of these messages, because I think this is, is something that you need to hear more than one time. You need to keep a remind. Peter said this to the church. He said, it, it is not grievous for me to tell you these things and to remind you of them, even though you already know them. There are some things, in fact, Paul said, be careful lest these things slip. And there are some things that, that if we're not careful, there's truth that can slip away from us and, and we need continual reminders. And, and so... Uh, you know, going back and, and listening to a message, or if you can't be here to listen to a message, you know, greatjoy.org, we archive all of our messages. You can go back and you can listen to them. And it's so important because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus said, you'll know the truth and that truth will set you free. And it's not, it's not the truth that you heard one time and forgot about, but it's the truth that you have activated in your life that will bring freedom into your life. And so we're talking about freedom. We're talking about what does that actually mean to have freedom in our life, or at least the kind of freedom that Jesus came to give us. And, and, and I find that most of us have baggage in our life. We've carry, we're carrying stuff around, and it makes the journey of life Man, dull and difficult. There's, it's, there's kind of a, a of a drudgery, and, and instead of, as Paul said, finishing our course with joy, we're just going through the motions. And there's 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 this is just that no 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 no. We're just going through life, and that's not the way that the body of Christ should go through life. The body of Christ is the body of Christ that is full of life and love and joy. There's the fruit of the Spirit on the inside of us that is peace, peace and patience and, and joy and love and all of those other things. And that should be what should be coming out of us. We shouldn't be in the same mully grubs, mully grubs, there's that word. We shouldn't be in that same junk that everybody else is in. And a lot of times it's because we're carrying stuff that we're not designed to carry. And some of us have gotten so comfortable carrying this stuff that we just think it's the way that we are. 
We just think that this is what life is going to be like. We just think that I'm always this way. My mom was this way. My dad was this way. My grandpa was this way. And, and, and it's just the way that my family is. Well, that may or may not be true, but you don't have to live according to that or in that way. And most of the stuff that we end up carrying around in our life, it comes really from one of two places. It can come from our past things that we've done wrong, things that we ha have regret about, uh, uh, you know, things that maybe it was sin, maybe it was a mistake, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And so things can come from our past, but it also comes from people. And next week, that's what we're going to talk about. Sometimes it's past people. And so uh, you'll see it on the screen in just a moment, but th at, at, at those things in our life, that we tend to carry, they, they come from those places in our life. And because of that, we're carrying stuff we're not designed to carry. We're, we're not enjoying the journey of life in the way that we should. And Jesus wants us to be free from that. And, and, and so I want to I talk about something that I think is common to all of us. And I, wanna, I had an experience happen several years ago. And uh, I brought a $100 bill with me. And just let me put you at ease. I am not giving this away today. All right. <laughs> I know that if I use money as an object lesson, a lot of times I just tend to give it away, but I don't have a whole lot of these, and so I'm keeping this bad boy all to myself, and uh, unless God tells me to do something different with it, and he hasn't. So, um, <laughs> I better not be smart enough. <laughs> so, uh, so several years ago, you know, as a pastor, I get to do a lot of weddings, and there was one particular summer that, like, from May to August, we probably did... I think it was 11, nine or 11 weddings. And that was like almost every weekend. And so uh, I, when I do a wedding, I meet with the couples. I was, I, there, there are things that I, are important to me. But I always ask the couple, is there anything that, that we can do in your service that would be unique to you, that would, that would you know, sort of your, your character, gifting, whatever it is, that would be real to you. And, and, uh, and so there's one particular couple, they wanted a Western theme, it was outdoor. And so I needed to get a particular kind of shirt and a bolo tie, you know, the, the kind that slide up. And so I didn't, obviously it's not my wardrobe, I didn't have any of that stuff. So I went to Kohl's and, uh, and it was about three hours before go time, three hours before wedding time, because I'm prompt in that way. And I mentioned that last week, drives my wife crazy and I'm trying to get over, I need freedom in that thing. And so I, I'm there, I find the shirt, I find the stuff, I got everything I need, I'm in the line, hate lines, in the line, and got to the front, and, and she's starting to check me out, the, the, the person there at the register, and I pulled out a $100 bill, and I felt uncomfortable because I don't normally flash, I don't normally have $100 bills, and, and, and so I felt a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit awkward in the first place, it felt like someone said, ooh, I got a $100 bill, and there's a big line behind me, you know, and so I pulled it out, and, and, and I'm just standing there, minding my own business, kind of thinking about the wedding, thinking I got to get there, and, and, and they do, she did what they all do and then she said I've never seen that before and so she's looking at it and immediately I start thinking that's a that's a that's a counterfeit she thinks it's a counterfeit hundred dollar bill what am I gonna do and so she pulled out a yellow magic marker thing she drew a line on it and she goes huh 
she's looking at it again and she's holding it up. She says, that's really different. And, and I start thinking, all these people are behind me. They're like, look at that guy. And I'd already said, you know, I, I had my Christian t-shirt on kind of a thing. And, and they're all behind me. And I already know they're like, uh-huh, look at that, look at that guy. He's got, a, he's got a fake $100 bill, doesn't he? You know, kind of a thing. And so I did what everybody in that position would do. I started to make excuses. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And obviously a pastor wouldn't be having counterfeit money. And so I, I'm a pastor of a church. I did a wedding and somebody gave me that $100 bill. And, 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 uh, and I don't even know why I was justifying and saying that. And so then she gets on the, the microphone thing. And I don't know exactly what she said, but here's what I think she said. Oh, yeah, we got a guy, a pastor. He's trying to pass a counterfeit bill here, and we're going to need security, and you might as well call 911. Now, that's what, now, she didn't say that, but that's what it felt like. And then there's a murmur in the crowd behind me, and they're now like, you know, kind of a thing. And I'm really feeling guilty. I'm feeling terrible. I'm feeling bad. I start making more excuses. I'm like, I'm sure that, that you know, I, I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And I'm thinking, man, the police are going to come. They're going to put me in handcuffs. Who's going to do the wedding? I got to do a wedding in a couple hours, and, and, and I got to get out of this sort of a thing. And then the manager comes over and she looks at it and she's doing this and she's doing this and she goes, oh, that's all right. No problem at all. And I'm like, I really, what I really wanted to do is I wanted to grab that and I wanted to turn around to all the people that were judging me and go, see, it was okay. That's really what I wanted to do. Now, I didn't do that, but I wanted to do that. And, and, and all of those things began to percolate on the inside of me. And I started to respond and I started to react because I felt guilty. I felt guilty. I felt like, you know, I was a thief, a criminal, a whatever. And because of that, I started to justify. I started to pass the buck. Hey, it wasn't me. It was the wedding. I'm trying to think, okay, who, what wedding did I just do? Who were those people that were passing me counterfeit money? What was going, I mean, all of that stuff was going through my mind and I got to get out of here. And, and, and they're coming with handcuffs. Who can do the wedding? All of that stuff was going on. And that guilt made me respond in ways that were out of character for me. It made me respond in ways that, 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 that that really, you know, it was all internal, but it caused a lot of stuff uh, around me. And, and, and that's kind of funny if it's at Kohl's and it's a $100 bill. But, but how many of you know that in life, there are things that, that follow us through life. We're pulling it around. We're dragging it around. It's guilt from the past. And that guilt from the past causes us to respond in ways, react in ways, and say and do things that aren't always the best response for things. In the book of Psalms chapter 38, I think it's Psalms 38, verse 4 says, My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My guilt overwhelms me, and it is a burden that is too heavy to bear. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are, that are pulling around guilt. They're trying to manage it. They're trying to deal with it. They're trying to take care of it on their own. And it's causing the journey of life to not be as enjoyable as it should be. And it's because we haven't learned how to deal with guilt, how to deal with regret from the past and those kinds of things. And, and, and when that person came over and, and they said, you know, that bill is okay, there was a feeling of relief that just, oh, Thank goodness. Thank goodness. I felt so much better. You know, Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are tired from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. 
And that's the good news for all of us this morning. And, and one of the points that we're trying to get to in this series is that Jesus has done something for us and he hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us to, to, to go through life pulling around heavy loads and bondage and, and cares of this life. But through the cross of Christ, he's done some things that affect us today, that have made it, should make a difference in our life today. And, and, and when, when that person came over and you know verified that the bill was over, okay, and, and there was a relief that swept over me. As I reflected on it and thought about later, and I've mentioned this before, but I learned a really valuable lesson, and I, and I want to share it with you today, and the, the lesson is really, really simple. There's a big difference between being guilty and feeling guilty. There's a huge difference between the two. There's a difference between feeling guilty and being guilty. And there's a lot of people in the body of Christ who are still responding to guilt even though they don't need to. I had nothing to feel guilty about. That bill that I had was, was, was good. It was good old, you know, U.S. American currency, all that stuff, not a problem with it. But the moment there was a question, uh, it, it began to create something in me and I responded to it. And likewise in life, th there are things that you respond to. Now, now granted, there will be times that you sin, S-I-N, sin. You do something wrong. And you should, in a sense, be guilty because you violated something. But there's a remedy for that. But I'm talking about feeling guilty even though you're not guilty. And, and, and that's something that can happen because I think that many of us, we've learned how to feel guilty. And it starts young in a lot of people. I remember my mom was awesome. My mom was a great mom. And I, I owe so much to my mom. She prayed for me, encouraged me in, in the Bible, encouraged me in stuff and in life and a lot of things. And, and, and there's a lot of things I do today because of her, and I'm so appreciative of it. But one thing that, that she used to do, or she did, and, and, and I think it may have been somewhat typical in that day, I don't know, but she had a phrase that when I ever did something wrong, she goes, shame on you. Shame on you. And, and there was a look that came along with the the phrase, you know, and, and you know the look. I can't, I don't know if I can do it, but it's like, you know, it's just sort of, and, and, and after a while, my mom didn't even need to say the word. She just had to lean. I mean, I could be in church and be anywhere. And it was like, and suddenly, whoosh, I felt shame. I felt guilt. And there were times that, that she did that, and I wasn't guilty, and it frustrated the hooey out of me because I hadn't done something wrong, but it was this. And suddenly all of that feeling came. It happens when you go to church sometimes. There are people in churches, and, and again, I, you know, messages that you hear and stuff, and it's like God's mad at you, and he's angry, and God's, you know, all of these different things that we, we get this idea that God's up there keeping score and, and that, that he's holding things against us. And, and so we learn to feel guilty. We learn to feel that shame. We learn to do those things, and the problem is, is that can become a prison in a sense. We start to respond to guilt. We start to respond to that shame. We start to respond to that, and it causes us to say things. It causes us to do things. It causes us to act in particular ways that we wouldn't perhaps act if we were, if we had freedom in our life. And so it causes problems for us down the road. And so as we talk about, as we think about that, one of the scriptures that we've used, and this is what I like about the Bible, and we're going to get into a couple of things, but one of the things I like about the Bible is that it's honest, and it doesn't always portray people in the very best light. If, again, if you're following through and you're reading through the Old Testament in particular and other places in the New Testament, but you begin to find things out about people that are in the Bible. It's like, whoo, these people are messed up. 
And it doesn't sugarcoat things. And you see it in the nation of Israel. They served God. They followed God. God poured out his blessing. But then after a while, they got complacent. They got comfortable and they forgot God. They forgot the ways of God and they began to go their own way. And when they began to go their own way, then they began to be in decline and, and God's blessing weren't as evident. And, and then they went into captivity. And after a while, a season in captivity, they'd remember God. They'd repent. They'd get back to following the ways of God. And then God would begin to bless. And you see that over and over and over. And so the Bible doesn't sugarcoat life. It doesn't sugarcoat things. And you see people that God had a plan and a design for their life. And, and, and sometimes they were carrying out his plan, but then shame and guilt and all that stuff got in the way and it got between them and God and God couldn't work in their life the way that he wanted to work in their life. God couldn't bring blessing. God couldn't bring redemption through them in the ways that perhaps he wanted to as we follow some of those characters in the Bible. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse three, it says this, we used this last week, and it's, again, kind of our, 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 our scripture for the series. In verse 3, it says, It is true that I am ordin an ordinary and weak human being. Now, we'll talk more about this in this series and in the next series that we do. But you're a three-part being, and I know we've mentioned this. Let me just say it again. You are a spirit being. That's the real you. That's down on the inside. And you have a soul that is your mind and your will and your emotions, and you live inside of a physical body. And so when Paul says this, it's true that I'm a weak, ordinary human being, he's talking about your flesh. And we know that's true because as a weak, ordinary human being, we have issues. Look at the person next to say, he's talking about you. We have weight, we have bags, we have stuff that we're carrying around in our life because we're a weak, ordinary human being. But, Paul says, I don't use human plans and methods to win my battles. Even though we're in this flesh on planet Earth, he says, I'm not using the weapons that everybody else uses, which should alert us to the idea that there are some things in life that you're going to try to use as remedies that will not work for you. And some of the reasons that you can't get free is because you're trying to use stuff that isn't up to the task or the job to get it done. And so he said, I don't use human plans and methods to win my battles. I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men to knock down the devil's strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. A stronghold is something that has a stronghold on you. In fact, sometimes it has become such a part of your life, you're not even aware that it is there. And it's just something you've learned to adapt to. You've learned to deal with. You're just struggling with that weight and you're carrying it around and perhaps you're, you're walking in a sense with a, a, a bit of a limp and you're pulling something behind you and you just think that's the way that I am. It becomes a stronghold. But that word stronghold in the Greek is the word, it means this, a prisoner locked in by deception, living life by something that is not true. And there's a lot of things in life and in, in, in culture, present culture, that people are saying, well, that's just the way I am. And it's just the way that, you, that if you're going to you know, be around me, you're just going to have to accept it because that's who I am. This is my reality. Well, it might just be who you are. It might just be your reality. It might be part of your personality, but it may not be. 
And in your flesh, you're one thing, but here's the power of the gospel is that your spirit is made brand new and God's life is on the end. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things become brand new. There's a life on the inside of you that is, if I could use this phrase, it impregnates you with the, the power of God in such a way that it changes your life. And now you're carry, carrying the, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit of God. It is love and joy and peace and patience. That's who you are now. The lie is who you used to be. And you don't need to live that way anymore. You're free to now live the way that God has said that you should live. You're free to be who God says that you are. That's what freedom really, really is. So... I know we've talked about this a lot. Let me reiterate a couple of things very, very quickly for you this morning. Uh, a quick swing at some review stuff. In the beginning, God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created man out of the dust of the ground. Big Plato man there. Puts forms and fashions. Him. And then God breathed into him the breath of life. And the Bible says that Adam became a living soul, a living being, a living spirit. And then if you know the story that God pulled from his side a rib and he began to fashion a woman, Adam woke up, you're not bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. God, you did awesome. Woohoo, man, she's awesome. Woo, yeehaw, kind of a thing. And so there they are, they're in the garden and it's just Adam and it's Eve and it's God. And there was a relationship that was there and they walked and they talked, they, they had fun together in the cool of the day and they just explored this beautiful place that God had created. And, and, and that whole story I think finds its beauty in, 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 in Genesis chapter two and verse 25. It says, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And again, this is more than than, than physical nakedness. Certainly they were probably naked, I guess, but, but the point simply is this. When you're naked, you're exposed. There's nothing covered. There's nothing hidden. And that's very, very important because the moment that they sinned, God said, where are you? They hid themselves. They eventually fashioned some stuff to cover themselves up. And that's been the pattern of humanity ever since. Shame and guilt caused Adam and Eve to run away from God, to hide from God, to use stuff to cover themselves up. And the same thing happens today. We run from God. We hide from God. We're using all kinds of stuff to try to cover up ourselves to hopefully get the shame and the guilt away from us. But what we end up doing is we end up running away from our source of, uh, of help. We run away from our source of help rather than running to our source of help. And so after sin in the garden, everything changed. Adam and Eve enjoyed a, 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 a childlike innocence. They, 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 they weren't aware. It's like, you know, little kids. You play music, man. They're just dancing and they're moving and they're, they're embarrassingly free. They'll ask for stuff that is like, shh, quiet. They'll ask questions like, don't stop. Shh, kind of. I mean, that's just the way they are. There's an innocence about children, isn't it? But we also know if you've worked in, if you have kids or worked with children, you also know there's another side of children, don't you? And that's, that's not childlike, it's childish. They're selfish. You can have 400 toys, take one away, mine. There, there's, it's all mine. And, and, and who did that? Not me. I mean, they'd have chocolate around their mouth. Who ate the chocolate? There's chocolate everywhere. I didn't. 
That's childish, and they're blaming everybody else, and all, all those other things. And, and, and the childlike innocence that Adam and Eve had in the garden was turned to childishness. And sometimes we respond similarly. We, we, excuse me, we respond sometimes in the same way. You know, I, I, well, I don't have time for that. And so, so there's, there's a great story. But anyway, childish and childlike. God wants us to have that innocence, that childlike innocence where we're free in his presence. But many times it's become childish. We, it's exactly what Adam and Eve did. Adam, they sinned in the garden. God said, Adam, what's this thing that you've done? And Adam looked at God and said, he passed the buck. He threw Eve under the bus. It's the woman that you gave me. God, kind of, it's your fault. Actually, had you not, it was just great, you and me, but then you had to bring a woman in and lost everything up. And then the woman was like, you know, it wasn't me. It was the serpent. It was the devil. It was, the devil made me do it. You know, all that stuff. And, 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 and that childlike innocence was lost and it became childish. There was selfishness now that was rampant in humanity and, and, and we're still pointing the finger of blame. We're doing everything that we can. Kind of like when I was in the line at Kohl's, I wanted to hide. I felt like when she was holding up that $100 bill, all the people behind me were like, mm-hmm. And they're looking at me, shame on you. I wanted to find a place to hide. And a lot of people feel that same thing even when they come to church. I'm gonna go through the motions, but on the inside, I'm hiding. On the inside, I'm covering up. On the inside, I don't wanna get too close. I don't wanna get too close because you know what? God knows some stuff about me. And so, in Galatians chapter five and verse one, it says this, Christ has set us free to live a free life. He set us free to live a free life. When Jesus came and he died on the cross and he shed his blood that broke the power of sin and it broke the power of death and it broke the power of hell. It totally rendered the devil powerless in our lives. And so he set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Joy Christian Center, take your stand. There's some stuff you don't have to put up with. There's some feelings you don't have to live by. There's some thoughts that creep into your thinking that you don't need to be governed by. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, and that's what he likes to do. He likes to remind you of all of your failures. He likes to remind you of your past. He likes to remind you of your shame. He likes to remind you of your guilt, and he loves to amplify it. He loves to yell it in your ear, and it's time you take a stand and say, whoa, 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 wait a second. In the name of Jesus, I'm free from that. In the name of Jesus, that's not who I am. My past is forgiven, and it's under the blood. In fact, my father's forgotten all of that stuff. He, he's removed my sin as far as the east is from the west. He said, I'm not going to remember it anymore. There's no sense me remembering it either. He goes on. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. And, and, and those are all, these are all things that are common themes in the body of Christ. And I, and I know that many of you think, well, you know what? Yep, God loves me. And yep, God forgives me. And yep, I, I get all of that. But there's a couple of things. There's just a couple of things in my past. There's a couple of things that I'm not so sure about. A couple of things that bother me. A couple of things that it's like baggage. It's just holding on, and we can't get free from it. We're dragging it around, and and anytime we seem to get close to God and those kinds of things, and 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 and, and you know that feeling of guilt, that feeling of shame. We think that God is somehow keeping score. It's like you know, well, you've done more bad things than you've done good things. Therefore, 
And we need to learn to be free from that. And, and you know, some people come to church because they feel guilty. <laughs> well, it got quiet in here all of a sudden. There must be a lot of guilty feeling people in here or something. I don't know. Yeah, they come to church because they've all, you know, I guess if I put in my time, maybe that'll count for something. You know, rather than reading the Bible because it's going to bring something to us, like, well, you know, I, got, I can't miss today, otherwise God's going to be mad at me. And, 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 and those things ought not to be a part of our life. There is a disciplined aspect of following Christ. There's a disciplined aspect of the sacrifice in a sense of, of I don't get to do and I don't get to respond and I don't get to say the way that I want to. I have to consider Christ in those things and consider who I represent in those things. That's certainly true, and it, but, but we understand this, that God is love, and God's given us a great description of what that love looks like. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we call it the love chapter. It talks about what love really, really is, and, and love is not something that God has or not something that God does. It's something that God is. Love is God's character. Love is God's basis. Love is God's DNA. Love is who God is. And so he gives us a beautiful, Paul gives us a beautiful description of that love and the characteristic of it and what it looks like. And in the fifth verse of the 13th chapter, it says that it or love does not dishonor others. Do you know that shame and guilt will cause you to dishonor others? It will. Shame and guilt caused Adam to dishonor Eve. It caused a husband to dishonor his wife. God, it's not me, it's her. It caused me to dishonor in a sense, in maybe a funny sense, but I was like, man, I threw the wedding people under the bus. So it wasn't me, man, it was the wedding people. They gave me that fake $100 bill. See, that guilt and shame will cause us to dishonor other people. I was getting quiet in here, and it's not, I'd like to bring something really fun to you, but it's something we should consider. Love is not self-seeking. Shame and guilt, man, it makes me want to feel, it makes me want to put me first. I, I, I want to make sure and take care of myself. I don't care what about anybody else, but I'm making sure that I'm okay. It's not easily angered. Boy, doesn't shame and guilt do that. Causes us to get angry at other people causes us to be justifying our actions and our behaviors. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't keep a record of a wrong. And if love is God's character, and we think that God is a God that is a scorekeeping God, that he's, you know, got the ledger sheet. That's what I used to think, you know, God had the ledger sheet, and he's marking down all of my sins and all of my trespasses and all of that stuff. And, 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 and if we think that, he said he, he takes no account to, love takes no account, God takes no account to, to those wrongs, to, 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 to wrongs in our life. And so you might think that God is a scorekeeping God, but he's not. So let me just set something up for you very quickly and try to get to the end of this message. Uh, in Acts chapter 7, the book of Acts, you know, you read through the book of Acts, it's the birth of the church. There's a gentleman by the name of Saul who later became the apostle Paul, but Saul was a Pharisee. He was a high-ranking official in, in, in uh, Judaism and, and in the structure of the temple worship and all that stuff. He's a big deal. He was a big deal. And, and it, there was a persecution that arose against the Christians. Christianity was rising in popularity. They, they didn't want that popularity to spread farther and farther. So they began to try to put that fire out. They began to persecute the church. They began to do things to, to, 
to try to marginalize Christians and things like that. And eventually it got so bad that, that they were beginning to, uh, you know, they were beginning to beat, they were beginning to threaten, they were beginning to, to, to do anything that they could to stop the church. It got so bad that there was a guy by the name of Stephen, one of the apostles or one of the disciples and, and, and one of the leaders of the church, and, and they charged him with blasphemy and they were going to stone him. They picked up stones, they began to throw the stones, they were killing him. And the Bible says in Acts 7 that they laid their coats at the feet of Saul. And Saul was basically consenting to the death of Stephen. Saul, was, who would later become the apostle Paul, and in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, it basically says that, they, that Saul consented to the death of Stephen. In other words, he approved of it. It was, it was a government stamp, or really a religious stamp that said, it is okay, it is open season on Christians. Go ahead and kill them. Later in the book of Acts, you see that Paul or Saul was responsible for imprisoning uh, Christians, breaking up families, selling them into slavery, stealing their goods, doing a lot of stuff. And think about this. Later on, the apostle Paul or Saul wrote in I think it's in Romans, or 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and it says, open your hearts to us, we have wronged no one. The apostle Paul was able to, with a straight face, say to people, we haven't done anything wrong to anybody. Now you might think, whoa, whoa, wait a second, Paul. Remember that, remember that uh, Stephen guy? There, were, there could very well have been people in, in Paul's audience that felt the wrath of the religious leaders that felt the wrath of Saul, who, whose maybe family had goods stolen from them. Who, who I don't know. Who, there's there are things. That, and Saul was able to. Paul was able to say, you know what? I haven't done anything wrong. How could he do that? How could he, in the face of his past, things that? Can you imagine how he probably felt? And I love this about about Paul because I think that Paul had a very healthy grip on who he used to be. And you want to talk about a guy who could have regrets. Man, I feel so stupid. I feel so ashamed. I can't believe I did those things. I feel terrible. Oh, God, will you please forgive me? But yet he was also able to say, I haven't done anything wrong. You talk about a guy who had his hands on both ends of the perspective. He said, man, I am the chief of sinners, and I've done nothing wrong. And we have to understand something. We are, each and every one of us, we're the chief of sinners, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But because of God's work in us, man, we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen. So he was able to say that. And he was the same one who said in Romans chapter 7, he was talking about the struggle between the flesh and, and, and the failure and all of that stuff. And he said, who's going to deliver me? And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it says this. There is therefore now no condemnation. The word condemnation means a condemning sentence. The devil's the accuser of the brethren, and the devil loves to pepper you with thoughts from your past. He loves to pepper you with all of the junk and all of the stuff that causes that shame and that guilt to arise in your heart and in your life that wants to separate you from your help and separate you from your heavenly father. And so he said, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're a new creation in Christ, there's no guilt, there's no condemnation, there's no shame. That's not who you're to be a part of. There's no condemning sentence that can be enacted against you. He goes on and he says, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now here's the thing, this is what guilt does. This is how shame causes us to act. 
there will be times in your life that you're gonna fall short and you're gonna miss the mark. That's what sin is. Sin means to miss the mark. And there will be times, because not any of us are perfect, there will be times that you're gonna fall short. And God's given us a remedy. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he is just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's that simple. You will fall short. You will miss the mark. But there's a huge difference between being guilty and feeling guilty. And what shame and guilt does is shame and guilt causes us, instead of I failed or I missed it, it makes us feel like I'm a failure. And that's a totally different response. It's one thing to be a child of God who has missed the mark and has now gotten back on the path. And another thing to just say, you know what, I'm a failure. I give up. It's just the way I am. Or worse, because we feel ashamed, we're going to hide. We're going to stay away from God. We're going to pretend like everything's okay. We're going to pretend to go through the motions. But you know what, on the inside, I think there's some stuff that God is holding against me. And I'm afraid and I'm ashamed and I don't want to bring it to him. Can I tell you something this morning that will help you? God already knows. You're not hiding anything from him. He can see. Peek-a-boo. Cuckoo, cuckoo. He, he sees all that stuff. He knows. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved. You've been saved through Faith. Faith accepts what God says. Faith accepts what God has done. But it's grace. It's a gift. It's not from yourself. And in a theological sense, sin has to be paid for. In a theological sense, sin requires a price paid. The wages of sin is death. There's a price that has to be paid. And shame and guilt is a, a form of payment I'm trying to pay for something with shame and with guilt and this feeling and the regret and all that stuff. I'm trying to pay for it by carrying that stuff around, that weight. But can I tell you something this morning? There's, you'll never pay it back that way. It is impossible for you to pay that debt. I've heard people say, well, you know, if God is this God of love, why does he send people to hell? Can I tell you this morning that that's not what hell is for? Hell is a place that people go to to pay for their sin. Hell is a place that people, human beings, go to to pay for their sin. Problem is with sin, you can't ever pay that back. It is impossible for you or I to ever come up with the amount of capital necessary to pay that off. Only one person, the pure, the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, he paid the price. And he paid the price to the fullest extent. He went to hell and he suffered. And then God breathed into him the breath of life and he became alive and he rose again and he conquered death. He conquered hell. He conquered the grave and he rose again. He's now seated at the right hand of God. Now you can try to pay it, but you'll never pay it. Or you can accept God's gift of grace by faith. <laughs> you say, All right, Father, I don't deserve it but I receive it. We begin to make that acknowledgement. So with your heads bowed this morning and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, if you're here today, you know, when that manager came up to me and, and, and looked at that $100 bill and said, you know what, it's good, there's a peace and a freedom that came into my life. And that's the same peace and that same freedom that God wants to bring into your life. 
And sometimes before you can ever receive from God, you need to let go of some stuff. And some of you, before you'll ever receive the grace of God, you need to let go of the shame and the guilt. And you might need to confess it. You might need to say, you know what, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. I, I was wrong. I said some things. I did some things. And you, you just take a moment. Confess your sin. Confess your fault. And the Bible says he's faithful and he's just and he will forgive you. But that's how you let it go. That's how you let it go. So, Father, we stand in this place this morning. And, Lord, I thank you that you love us and that you offer your help you're not holding anything against us. I thank you, Father, that you didn't send Jesus into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Savior, you've never accepted his offer of forgiveness, and you would like to today, declare him the Lord of your life, be born again, as Jesus said. If that's you today, you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, and you want to today, would you hold your hand up real high? Anyone at all, just say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I, I, I want to pray, yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high for a moment. Let's all pray this prayer together. Yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I accept today what he's done for me. I let go of my past. I let go of my shame. I let go of my guilt. And I receive your forgiveness. I declare today, Jesus, you're my Lord, my Savior. You've paid the price, and I receive your life. Now, Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer for the first time, and I believe that you're beginning a work in them. And, Lord, in all of us, I thank you that you're giving us a life and a freshness and a freedom. And we thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you, JCC. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.